0: I've asked for this time because honestly, I I didn't know how I could say this in front of you, in front of an arena full of people, in front of my fans who stood beside me throughout the entirety of this last rodeo. And you know, when I set out on this last rodeo, it was on a mission, it was to prove that I still belonged, that I could still be equal to anyone In that locker room and that I could still be your knockouts world champion and honestly I don't know if I could have achieved that goal without you because you helped me fight harder than I ever thought I could you know the reality is is that every champion knows that there comes a time when there is a competitor a champion that's a little hungrier a little stronger, a little faster, hell, even a little better than you that wants to knock you off the mountain. And I would have been honored had it been any of those knockouts back there. But what I can't stomach and what I can't, I can't handle is time.
1: You know when we all have our 15 minutes of fame and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! for the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. And this is your host, Mr. Green. How are you? And thank you for tuning in. We are uh, moving along in the uh, world of professional wrestling, or more specifically, women's wrestling. Of course, you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Podcast, but this is the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. So we get a little bit of that uh specifically this is going to be a wow review as anybody that's clicked this would already know but i'm gonna include a couple of other uh little items that have popped up in the pro wrestling world because you never know there's always something that's going on uh that uh needs to be shared and that people would probably find interesting or or at least at the very least want to view or what have you. Speaking of something that you might want to view, if you happen to be in Los Angeles on June 25th, so you got a little bit of time, even if you're not there, if you want to plan your trip, there is an event being put on by Ultimate Women of Wrestling, the UWW. It is... UWW Heat Wave that will be taking place on the 25th in Los Angeles at the Globe Theater uh, you can go on, the, well actually I don't think the tickets, how are they going on sale yet? Uh, you know what you should go on to their uh, website, uh, not their website, go to the Instagram page Ultimate Women of Wrestling and you can see that, I actually believe the tickets went on sale on the 13th so that you should be able to pick them up now If you are wanting to go Like I said, you got enough time As of this recording To go and uh, plan or prepare Or get your get yourself and your trip together It might be an event of a lifetime If you are a fan of women's wrestling Because you got a c- couple of names there That you may know And you may want to You know, sit and watch live I certainly want to sit and watch them live uh, Some of them that are going to be there Are Miranda Alize. Katie Forbes, who was formerly of WOW. I forget what her name was while she was on there, but Katie Forbes was on there. Uh, Vipress. Jordan Blue. Lady Tapa from uh, Impact Wrestling fame. The Renegade Twins. Some of y'all might have seen them on uh, AEW's television shows, or more specifically, the, the Elevation programs. Heather Reckless will also be in the building. Jasmine Allure. Johnny Rocket. You also may know as Robbie Rocket on Wow. Everly Rivera, sound familiar? She is also as Vivian Rivera on Wow. Which you know, I'll get back to that on a little bit later on. See, every time I, every time I say something good about somebody on on Wow, it's always that they have had wrestling experience outside of Wow. But anyway, uh, Brooke Havoc, Danny B, Melissa Santos, and. The uh, very polarizing Tessa Blanchard will be there. So you got time. And they also will be doing a meet and greet at the uh, show. So you you got a lot of things that's going on there. Just go on to the UWWFED on Instagram. And you can get all this information. Or you can find the links to the site or the event uh, bright page. And you can get up everything that you need if you are looking to go and attend. And if you are a fan, like I said, it is, it is currently April. The The event takes place at the end of June. You got some time to work it out or try to get out there should you be in the area or should you be wanting to travel. That is, sounds like a destination place to go. Ultimate Women of Wrestling, Sunday, June 25th at the Globe Theater on South Broadway, 740 South Broadway in Los Angeles. And Melissa Santos will be there, too. If I did not say her, she'll be doing the ring announcements. I guess she's found another location to carry on. It'd be interesting that our Ultimate Women of Wrestling are basically walking into uh, Wow's Turf. I mean, they're already in Las Vegas. They're, they're pretty close as it is, but they're going into L.A.? I mean, hmm. I would think that would be more expensive to be doing a road show in Los Angeles, but, what, you know, I'm not sure of the economics between uh, running a, a program or running a promotion in Vegas versus Los Angeles, so I'll just uh, move on with that. But needless to say, if you're interested in it, look it up, check it out, uh, and you may, you know, find motivation to go. I'm, I'm certainly thinking about it. Uh, before we get into WOW... Again, as I'm recording this, uh, there has been a relinquishing of a championship by one hardcore country, Mickey James, who was up until this point the Impact Women's World Champion. I mean, I know they've changed the name slightly since I what, what did they have before? It was, it was the Impact Knockouts World Championship. So I think it's still referred to as that. So <clears throat> uh, as I recall, I think she was preparing for a match last month against Jordan Grace at a Defender Championship. Uh, now I forget the uh, specific event, but she was unable to do it because she was injured. That being Mickey James. I want to make sure I'm clear about who I'm talking about. And so that match with Jordan Grace essentially became a number one contenders match, but the, the idea there was that Mickey James was saying this in front of the management. She wasn't really sure about the depth of her injuries. Uh, so it came down to them basically saying, all right, look, Jordan Grace or Russell, whomever it was, I can't remember right now, to solidify her number one contendership. This is not a number one contendership match. And if she goes and you're still healthy, she would walk in as no one contender. She would get that championship match that right then that night. If she goes and you cannot do it, then we will take another number one, you know, another top contender or former champion, however they phrased it, and then we will put them in the ring against Jordan if she manages to go, which she did. And that will be, then become the championship match and Mickie James would then relinquish the title she said you know she couldn't hold it past this I think it was already in in, heading into 30 days at the point of that recording so we fast forward to now where it is right before rebellion Mickie James is not medically cleared and what they did and I thought they did a, a very good job of this is Mickey came out in front of an empty arena. And I don't know if the reasons that she said on, during the interview were legit or, or whether this was just a case of, hey, look, we can't get you in here now while uh, uh, <laughs> while, while it's empty and fed, there are no fans. We need to make up something. I don't know. Either way, it, it worked out. It, it, it worked out pretty good because she started off with, look, I don't think I would have been able to do this stare, standing in front of you people. Like she was emotional. You know, she didn't, and she knew she had to give it up but she didn't think she would be able to do it in front of a, a, a crowd and so that so it explained it away it, it, it explained that situation and why she was doing this in an empty arena which was darkened out so you, you didn't really see all of that you just saw her in the ring with her championship her blue hat on her head and uh, a spotlight she's talking about essentially her uh, her career and her not using the word old, but her being older and a elder statesman in the locker room. And now she's starting to feel and notice the difference. Like it takes a little longer for me to heal from this. I, the, the kinks uh, hurt a little bit more. The bumps feel a little harder, you know? So, so she's giving this, this build up. She's doing a good promo here. She's, she's cutting a promo on herself and her career and the reasons why she may not, well not may not wait why she's not medically cleared to wrestle and defend. She said she wanted to do it. She would have been honored to lose to anybody any knockout in that locker room because she, you know, feels highly about them. She put over the locker room in, in that that uh, promo. Just, just like that. Took two seconds. She took took her time. Look, I I would be honored to lose to anybody in that locker room. So But she's saying, you know, what it hurts is me having to do it this way. And she, in four minutes, Impact relinquished and set up a new championship match and had some degree of heat behind it. As this promo is going on and she's in the ring backstage at what wrestlers refer to as gorilla position, but it's, I mean they only listen. I'm just gonna sidebar a second. The only reason it's called the gorilla position is because the WWE calls it the gorilla position, and they did that because Gorilla Monsoon sat there all the time, and it just became a nickname and it stuck. There's no reason for every other promotion in the world to be calling this stuff the gorilla position. Gorilla Monsoon didn't work there. Give you know, all it is is, is the the standby spot. <laughs> that's pretty much it okay I just had the sidebar do that so anyway Jordan grace and Deanna prazo are basically sitting at the st- at standby watching the monitor looking at Mickey James give this promo in front of you know the empty arena so it adds another element we we see Mickey james in the ring we see the two contenders Man, i you know, I probably should put my phone on uh mute when I'm doing these things, right? Uh, but, yeah, she, she's standing in the rain. The, the two top contenders are now um, uh, sitting at the table watching this. They're not saying anything, but they're watching it. And, it. and it's all in their body language. It's all in their body language. There's a, a feeling of – concern and, and intenseness off of Jordan to some degree and parazo shows slight concern but also also very nonchalant at the same time I is it, like she's maintaining being a heel although I'm sitting in this position right now and I have to show a monicum of respect if that makes sense so we're still going on and Mickey James gives the big speech. she cuts back to the ring and then we have her do the do the deal she takes the championship off she lays it down in the in the uh, middle of the ring along with her hat and the microphone and you know well before she puts the microphone down she essentially tells the two contenders like jordan diana it is your time now so she puts it down so it's left on we have no idea if Mickey James is coming back because she herself is like, I don't know, you know, it's harder for me to do this. I had to prove it to myself. I had to make sure, you know, feel like I could still go. And, you know, here I am now. I'm hurt, and I can't, you know, really make that comeback. So, you know, she gives that up. And, again, we don't know if this is it. We don't know if this is the last match or whatever. They left that kind of open-ended. Cut to the back. And you see Jordan Grace get up again. There's intensity in her eyes. Well, Perrazzo's just kind of like, oh, well. You know, they, they look at each other. Jordan walks off. Perrazzo has a little smirk like, okay, I can get my championship back now. So all of this to say it, it was what I thought to be a very good promo out of Impact Wrestling, out of Mickey James, to relate all of what she needed to relate to the viewing audience, to everybody that's watching um, Impact, either on Access TV or the way I did it on YouTube, is, you know, very simple, but it was good. And it got it across. Sometimes you don't need to do a bunch of complicated stuff. Sometimes it's just the performer and they can deliver the goods. And Mickey James delivered the goods. These are the things, and you know, if I'm gonna connect it to WoW in any way, these are the things that I feel like WoW misses out on by wanting to overproduce things, by wanting to everything's gotta be a vignette, or somebody's gotta act in the scene, or we gotta have a different set, or this that. Nobody has been on the microphone and spoken more than a minute, and I would think, you know, I don't think anybody's had it or or two, if it's more than one person in the ring. But, you know, that they don't really, not all of them. I don't want to group everybody together. Some could, you could feel that they got a better promo waiting underneath if they just had a chance to do it. But they haven't had a chance. You're not going to get a four-minute segment or a nearly five-minute segment dedicated to somebody just talking on WOW. But sometimes those segments where it's just the person talking to you, the audience. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, it connects and it doesn't require you doing a bunch of different things or over overdoing it, I should say, or having to be in a documentary setting or something like that. Sometimes the sports setting works. The simple sports, give me a microphone and let them go out there and tell their story. But you know, we don't, we don't get that. Uh, before I completely go into the while, I want to just jump back on Mickey James just for a, a second, at least the topic of Mickey James. I'm, I want to jump back on that. Um, it, first, you know, being that sh- I believe that's a legitimate injury. you know you hate to hear that? It's um, certainly one of the the hallmark performance in women's wrestling over the last 20 years. Easily, and I, I think it needs to be said that she probably did more uh, for Impact Wrestling as. as uh, let me phrase this right. She used her power within Impact Wrestling to help Impact Wrestling more so than anybody else in that company up until this point. Uh, keep in mind, I know some people may not know this. Her national wrestling career began with Impact, well, TNA wrestling at the time, or more specifically, NWA TNA. That was where she was first. Now, now there was no women's division, but uh, that was where she was pretty much first seen as Alexis Lurie as part of the the flock. I think it was Raven's flock at the time. It was either the flock or the gathering. Every location has a different name. I think it was the gathering. Uh, and she was Alexis Luria's as part of his gathering. That is the first, despite the fact that it was all pay-per-view television, that was the first national platform that she got the chance to perform on. And then she went to WWE, and then it just kind of went back and forth. She went, you know, TNA to WWE, back to TNA, back to WWE, back to, well, then became Impact, WWE again, and then she came back. So... She's had this, you know, back and forth career between the two, and I'm pretty sure both of them feel like home for her. Uh, but what she did for Impact was, you know, somewhat unparalleled, that, and she, she should get some uh, praise or uh, applause for it. The fact that she took place in the Royal Rumble in the WWE event while she was a contracted Impact wrestling performer, as its champion. Going on their premium live event slash pay per view, wearing the Impact Knockouts Championship, and it being introduced as such, uh, you know, basically she gave the Impact version of Mickey James on WWE television with the Impact Championship, and she she got like backstage interview time, and every time she was in front of that camera with them backstage, she made sure to have that championship belt, the Knockouts title, within camera shot. She, without saying blatantly, hey, guys, I'm on Impact Wrestling, go watch me, without her actually saying that, she advertised that promotion to millions of people around the world and millions of people that's online that look at everything the WWE does. So I mean, whether whether they had a turnover from it, whether they got more viewership from it, or you know, whether it actually translated to people that act, know what Impact Wrestling is now, I don't know, and and I'm pretty sure I probably would not find out unless I get a chance to talk to one of them. But it is a it was a big deal, and it's a big thing. No nobody else on Impact's roster. Past or present? Can I think of did anything close to that? I mean, I know WWE did a swap with Christian Cage and Ric Flair for the Hall of Fame and Slamiversary, but that's not like going into the ring and wrestling. She, she, being Mickie James actually went there and wrestled in the Royal Rumble and cut a promo on Impact Wrestling television saying that she was going to WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, but I mean it was it was all good stuff and I think that you know that is a, a, a portion of her career that should be highlighted, particularly by Impact Wrestling. And if they are still doing a Hall of Fame, she is a shoot in for it. Absolutely. Uh and I guess we'll find out who the new knockouts champion is um as I'm recording this late on tonight. So anyway, we're gonna go now into the the show that I advertise that I'm talking about, that's episode of WOW, which is episode 30. WOW is trucking along. I say that every week now because I am so surprised that they have actually learned the lesson and not gone into hiatus and not taken a season off like they feel like they were a TV show, like a normal sitcom or something. They're like, no, wrestling is not like that. It doesn't work that way. It never has. <laughs> Let's not take these these hiatuses. It just creates problems. You know, you're not Abbott Elementary or Modern Family or Friends or whatever. You be your wrestling show, be a wrestling show. Uh the show starts off the way that it always does. Welcome to WoW, and they do the preview of the matches. It, it, it is the opening segment. Very rarely do we get a, a variation from that, but they got their opening graphic now, and that, that's the way that it's, it's uh, presented week in and week out, and I'm pretty sure they're going to stick to it. Uh, the week prior, they advertised this as a mystery team that would be under uh, Sophia Lopez, the greatest attorney in the world. Uh, and I think I said during that podcast, it wasn't hard to figure out that Vivian Rivera was going to be one of them. I mean, you could, even though she was wearing a mask, you could, you know, you could see it in her her, her face. You could recognize the other one, her partner, however, had not been on a while. And, you know, without that kind of. Access to seeing her, you wouldn't have known anyway. But it is a young lady wrestling by the name of Sylvia Sanchez, and they were going into the ring against Steffi Slays and Jennifer Gen Z Flores. Uh, this is a match that's uh, that on her Instagram, Sophia Lopez is you know very proud of because of the, the Mexican representation and all that stuff, like that. Uh, and that was the other reason I found out who it was before, <laughs> before the show came on because she posted it. Uh, you know, I, I love me some Sophia Lopez, but I will say if there's anything that works against WoW on some occasions, it may be doing things like that. Uh, I would probably, if I'm WoW management, I would probably try to rein that in just a little bit. I'm like, I'm not saying don't put it up, but if you're going to say on TV that we have a mystery opponent, tune in to see who it is. Then you don't want that spoiled before you go into it, because that takes away one of the elements that I'm tuning in to watch. (laughs) You know, if you if you're advertising that as a as a lure for somebody to tune in to watch a show, then you shouldn't want that spoiled on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or anything else. You should that information should be kept to the side. And it feels like there's a case of the left hand not knowing the right one's doing. Because I was about to say that should be left to the side for the graphics department. But as I was about to say that, it just struck me as like, somebody instructed the graphics department to do that. So, either, you know, I know that whoever's doing the graphics are just doing what they're told. This is what I'm asked to do, so I'll put these out. So you can't really get on them. But, somebody needs to do a quality check. And I know this isn't a review for the show. This is just a review for the promotion overall. But somebody needs to do a quality check. If you're going to do that, like I just said, if you're going to say watch next week because you'll find out XYZ, then XYZ should not be unveiled on Instagram or any other platform that they have access to. So if I'm down, if I'm management, I, I would tend to try to rein that in just a little bit. And again, I, you know, I, I I think she's a fantastic performer, but there's a lot of brick and kayfabe on Sophia Lopez's IG page. You know, I I think that that's enough that she, she might want to throttle that back a little bit. You, you want people to buy into what you're doing. I know she, by trade, she's an actress. And you know, having her on on here on on WoW as Sofia Lopez, she's going to be taking it to the wrestling world. People are going to identify with her as Sofia Lopez. It's kind of the same thing as um uh, uh, what was it? The the guy he was on Lucha Underground. I know somebody out there is probably screaming like is so and so uh, gosh, I can't even think of his name. It's like on the tip of my tongue. But it, it'll hit me later, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> saying what I'm saying. Uh, I know he went over to MLW for a little while, uh, but the, the guy that was their lead matchmaker, whatnot, he was an actor, right? He was an actor, but he did the role so well, and, and you know, for the time that he did it, people started to identify with him as that. Which is, explains why he got hired at MLW because people start to identify with him. He could probably go to a couple of different wrestling promotions and independence and whatnot at this point and sell himself as, you know, pretty much the way that Teddy Long has. As, hey, I could be, you know, be a personality for the show or a matchmaker or this, that, and the other. At this point, he probably can because he at least has TV exposure. Same thing with Sophia Lopez. At some point, this is probably the I would assume the most amount of uh, constant exposure that she's had on you know television or movies or streaming or what have you. So I'm going to also follow that assumption with fans or anybody that's watching that are going to more likely identify with her as Sophia Lopez rather than her true life self. When you start identifying with that, you don't want the illusion. Broken. It's it's not the same thing as <clears throat> uh, Jennifer Aniston playing Rachel Green because people know that yeah they get into the show for thirty minutes but they turn it off and they, and they understand that okay she's Jennifer Aniston well some people don't but for, for the most part they understand that this is the actress playing this part and yes wrestling has pulled the curtain way back now and they understand that this is mostly performance. But you can still get something out of people when you cover it up a little bit. I'm not I'm not saying that you can change it all or get everybody back to where they believe things again. I'm not saying that, but you can certainly not advertise that hey you know behind the scenes i'm perfectly fine with the person that you just saw me cheat against you know in the ring that type of thing so you know i just had to put it out so yeah, i got a lot off of talking that i didn't even get into the match good grief all right but vivian rivera and savia sanchez uh i just talked about how i thought rivera was was turned out to be a good worker and. Uh she cut this, you know, it's a brief promo on episode 25, which I hated that episode, but I loved her promo. Uh, and I was saying previously on one of these shows that I think that she's got something that she could do more. You know, she could rustle a little bit and, and work out who she is and how she, you know, matches up and blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, she's already on the independence as Everly Rivera, what I said earlier. Every time I find somebody on that show that, that I get genuinely impressed with that I haven't uh seen already, and I'm like, oh man, they can they could do something with this person, they can really get something out of it. I find out they actually want the independent somewhere. I, I feel a running theme here. I feel, I feel a theme happening. Uh okay, so anyway, <laughs> there was so much wrapped up in this. Not even in the match, so much. Uh, Sofia Lopez comes out, and she is the first one in before her team. She's doing the Sofia Lopez thing. She's walking on her end, smiling, waving, and shaking some hands even. Uh, this is one thing that I would say the persona of Sofia Lopez probably should no longer do. And here's the reason why. And I don't know if you're out there listening, Sophia, but here's the reasons why. And you can take that to management and see if they agree. The casual viewer does not understand where you're going. That's the root answer. The elaborate answer is this. This either has to go one or two ways. She, you're a heel uh, the manager, and you're coming out and you're smiling, you're lovely, you're shaking hands, you're you dressed nice. All of that package is something that people would gravitate towards and like and want to shake hands with and whatnot. But then later on in the match, it completely turns and starts to cheat. If this is a case of Sophia Lopez trying to be disingenuous to fans when she comes out and pretend like she likes them and pretend like I'm a good person, then the portrayal of that needs to be stronger. It needs to be understood by some of those fans that you're being disingenuous. Now there's a couple of ways to do it, but you know if that is the, the point that why I was trying to relate then it needs to have something to show that you're just saying this for whatever reasons. Like, you know, I, and they probably need to establish why, why are you being disingenuous? For what reason, what do you have to gain off of doing that? A good example to go back to is during the Monday Night Wars when Lex Luger was trying to, was being, well, he's Sting's friend actually, and he was Sting's friend on TV, but he was still a heel. And Sting didn't, see it and or want to believe it and you had these scenes where lex would come out and and he would be shaking hands and slapping the hands with the fans and everything like that as long as he was side by side with sting and his thing's sight and his peripheral view the second sting was out of his sight he just would roll his eyes and he and he would immediately stop shaking hands and push aside and just like, no, I don't want to shake hands with you. Ooh, you, you're disgusting. Don't touch me. Stuff like that. But then Sting would turn around and he'd pop the, the, the baby face back on. He'd be glowing and he'd be like, yeah, and, and go slapping hands and shaking. And he would just immediately turn around. You knew that he didn't care. You knew that he was being completely phony and disingenuous. Something along those lines, where is evident? And they get the point. <laughs> that would make more sense. If that can't happen they probably just need to have Lopez come out there and just be the heel. If it's going to be more elaborate, it should be evident. Because the average person doesn't get it. They don't understand. They look at it as like, why is she cheating? I mean, I literally heard this. They're like, what, what is she wasn't she just shaking, talking to the fans and all this? I thought she was the I thought she was the good guy. It's, you know, it's like they don't understand. And they should be understanding this primarily when they walk through the curtain. When you come out, they should, the people out there should understand who you are and what you're doing. Or at least a, a fair assessment. So that is what she does when she comes out. She's shaking hands. She's smiling. She's lovely. She gets in the ring. She, she asks for the microphone. She takes it and she, gives, she cuts the big introduction for her clients. After she introduces herself as the greatest attorney in the world, my clients Vivian Rivera and Sylvia, S- Sylvia Sanchez, and you know they come out and they, they got the similar looks, not identity, they, they don't have the same color scheme, but it, but basically, it kind of a similar. Uh, I, I was gonna say body type, not body type, but um, the the the, the, the outfit. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't get the, that word out, but anyway, yeah, similar outfits. Uh, and once they're in the ring, then here come Slays and Jennifer Gen Z Flores. This is Bully Busters version two or two point five or three. I, I I I still don't understand why they broke up the Bully Busters for them to only go right back into tag team wrestling every chance they get. It just doesn't seem like it. Uh, <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me, anyhow. Uh, and. Let me clarify and say, you know, when I say that they have similar outfits, I mean like the shorts and the, you know, the, the, not quite a singlet, but not full tights either. And I mean, they still have to change it up a little bit for it to be identical and look more like a team, but it's close enough. Uh, Flores and Gen, uh, Flores and Gen Z. <laughs> Flores and Slay's. Did look good together as a team. Also, I don't think they tried, but they got the similar look. They had the purple trim and the and the uh, uh, per, all purple outfit and the purple trim for slaves. Yeah, I mean it, it kind of worked. Believe it or not. Uh, so they they get in here and there's some talented people in the ring, but for whatever reason, it kind of started. Like choreographed tumbling, like you, you know, it it didn't seem as if that they were really trying to win something so much as okay, I do this, you do that, I'll flip you, you flip me. It just, I you know, I can't really explain it. And maybe it's just the first sequence of moves that made me feel like that, but it it did not come off as a competition. It just it just came off as an exhibition of of exchanges of moves and holes and flips and so on and so forth. Uh, But both of them actually do look good. I I think this might have been a case of needing to get the rhythm going. And sometimes I think maybe the instructions that they're getting from their producer, their agent, their management, whatever you want to call them in the back, might be hindering some of them too you'll see a few of them on the independence, they actually work better they work faster they, you know they seem more convincing uh, so I don't know what it is with the you know wild environment other than maybe the instructions that they might be getting that would stop them from doing it but you know it, it still works you know I, I guess like I said a little, little maybe a step or two slower, but it still works so we won't get on them too bad for that. Uh, there was a few minor rough patches in in the course of the match but I I stand by what I said by Rivera uh she just seems to have a natural inclination for this <laughs> I mean maybe it's not natural maybe it's maybe it's during her time as everly that it that it just comes out but she feels like she is very comfortable there Sanchez I, you know I didn't get anything uh I didn't get any bad vibes off anybody this match really and I, I can say that about Steffi Slays too is it's taken her a while to get to where she is I still believe that Slays should probably hit the independents I mean look there's more and more people on that roster that are in the indies than not and I'm sure if she asked two or three of them, like, hey, look, can I come to a show with you or something like, you know, like Everly Rivera? I'm sure she asked a few of them, like, hey, you know, maybe we can work a match there. I was like, I, j- just so she can get the experience and and get comfortable. That it would, you know, they probably wouldn't turn it down, <laughs> the promoters. I, but, you know, all of that to say is that she is getting better also. Maybe it's the company that she's keeping. It, that happens. And you need to do that. You, you, you need to wrestle or work with people that are better than you so that you will get better at it. And it needs to happen more often, and it needs to happen in front of people. You know, so you can understand it and you can learn it. So anyhow, uh, like I said, a few rough spots, but otherwise it, you know, it was good and it got better as it progressed. And it needs to be pointed out, even even though, I like I just said, Not Rivera Lopez is not consistent with her portrayal on screen. She is embracing this manager thing. That is one of the things that I've said across the board from all three. And I guess we'll include Mesmer in that, too, since she's now joined the management side of things, more or less. But Lopez, Smart, and and uh, Star have all gotten more involved. They've gotten more physical, and in this match, uh, Lopez get, gets uh, Steffi slays by the hair and just takes a handful of it and smacks her head right into the side of that apron. I mean, and you, you have to, you got to give her credit. <laughs> and now, I understand that she protected herself, and and. Yes, they did cut on the impact to, to, to protect the integrity of the match. And I don't mind it when they do it to protect the integrity of the match, meaning you don't want to show something on camera that's blatantly fake. But just cutting just for the sake of cutting, that's what I hated. Uh, anyway, but Lopez got involved, and uh, I love that she is more in tune with who Sofia Lopez is, at least as a heel. I just want her to take a solid direction and how she's portrayed going forward i mean but she she gets in there and she she has learned to to cheat and wait to the 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 management or the not the, manager, the referee's back is turned and all that good stuff i I would say that she i don't know if she's actually trying to learn it, but I would say she's at least learning. Whether that be through osmosis or somebody actually telling her, but she's learning. And I hope that she continues on. I hope that she learns how to cut bigger and longer and stronger promos. I hope she learns how to do all of that stuff. And maybe we'll actually get the old five minutes with Sofia Lopez match. So uh, clearly Sanchez and Rivera are the heel team here. And Slays and Flores are the baby faces. I mean, you can look at them and tell them. And, that, and again, that's one thing that you can get from Steffi Slays and Flores from the moment they come out. And you have to give credit for that. They, they make it clear you're cheering for us. It's evident in everything that they do. It's evident from the smile to the body language to their interaction with the fans. And, you, you know, that's exactly what they need. <laughs> so during the match the heat gets put on Steffi. She is nominally the one that is coming up short and uh in the tag team matches. And I don't mean that she's beaten up on all the time, but she's usually the one that they that the heels start to whooping up. <laughs> what else can we say? <laughs> they get the heat on her. Uh so but Flores comes in after the hot tag. <laughs> She does the house of fire deal trying to take them both down she you know she's taking on them both for for a little while uh she is doing well but then of course the, the I almost say the heels cut her off but there was a missed spot she tried to go for the elbow misses the elbow, and I should say she uh Flores tries to go for an elbow on uh Sylvia She misses that elbow, so it wasn't really a cutoff so much as a misstep on the baby face. I don't know if this was a botch or maybe it was just a miscue or the timing was off or something like that, but there was a downward spiral spot that Sanchez did to Flores, but it's like she took a stutter step or wasn't ready or something like that, like she had to pause but then do it real quick. Uh, you can see it on YouTube and you'll see what I'm talking about but uh yeah I couldn't t- it felt like a botch but it didn't it didn't do anything to hurt the match so we can say that flora saves herself from a double suplex by coming out of it and turning into a double net breaker on both uh oh, getting the names on both Sanchez and Rivera so now we got Slade, who's come back in, and she's attempting to do the House of Fire deal. The heels do cut her off. And now we got the double team spot. Both of the faces go into the ropes. Again, Lopez gets down and cheats. He hooks the leg and stops uh, Flores from going backwards. So good job by Lopez. That sets her up for a gory buster following uh her partner Slays getting put down. It was a nice finish. Different. Because you, the gory buster, the, I don't know if anybody knows who it is, but it is basically you're picking your opponent up all, like a uh what's the move that um Tara the Widowmaker? It's, it's almost like that, except you flip your opponent out into like a flapjack position in reverse. Uh Sanchez Put Steffi Slays down on the mat. After Lopez hooks the leg of Flores, you see what I mean about the names? That's why I'm talking slow. <laughs> so after she hooks the, the, the uh, leg of Flores and distracts her, that's when Rivera gets her up in the gory buster. She turns and she flapjacks her down on top of Steffi Slays, like right on the stomach. This is a good, good impact. Flores rolls off. It, it hits the floor, and the heels score the win. They, they. I can't. This was a good match. I mean, I it, it was slow at points, but he, I can't say it's bad or anything like that because the heels won relatively clean, but not really. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Lopez did what she did, and she did it through you know working behind the ref's back, which was good. Uh. And there's the argument that they didn't uh, didn't use any illegal objects or anything like that. There, there's that argument because all four people shouldn't have been in the ring anyway, right? So it it works within a wrestling logic sense. If you want to take the side of the baby face and say that, hey, they cheated. It was too many people in the ring. She hooked my leg. There's that and the other. Or you could take the side of the heel uh, as what I just said. They could have an argument kind of rooted in truth. Well, you know, she should have been out of the ring. I didn't do anything illegal. You know, the ref didn't see me do anything, that type of thing. But it was a nice finish. And innovative, I think. I haven't seen anybody do one like that before. So, good deal on them. <clears throat> Next segment, was setting up for the upcoming match for the rest of the show, which is what they kind of tend to always do. Uh, segment after that, the following segment, which is a five- We have a tag team match. It is Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball tagging up for some reason against the Heavy Metal Sisters. Now, the last time we saw Wrecking Ball and Reina Del Rey in the ring together, they were facing off against each other. I do not have a problem with Opponents becoming partners, partners coming opponents. That's just that's wrestling. It's happened forever, and it's gonna keep happening. But what I would have liked is some kind of explanation, at least from them, as to why we're doing this now. Like because there was the last we saw, Reggae Ball was a heel. She was with Sophia Lopez. She you know basically part of her thing. And then you add to the fact that last time that she was in a ring with. Del Rey, they were fighting each other, and not only did they fight each other, they fought each other to a no contest. So why, why, why? if they are want you know to explain this, I don't think it would be that difficult I, it's, it's been done before, you know, Dr. Du Steve Williams, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, who was your toughest opponent Doc Bam, Bam was? Who's your toughest opponent Terry doc was well, it's natural that we teamed you know it became a natural thing that we teamed up you know, we could barely take each other who could be able to take us together i mean that's that's all it takes and it and it could have been just that hey look, we fought each other to the point that we beat respect in each other i this is easily the toughest person I to ever fought, and she could say the same thing about her and so we just thought it was only natural that we team up. If we actually wanted to go out to the tattoo times, who could stop us, right? It's one of those things. But here, and again, you know, as I was saying, Wrecking Ball was a heel last time we saw her. Reyna Del Rey was a heel last time we saw her. She was going after the wild championship, and, and for whatever reason, I guess once the beast was hurt, all aspirations of being the champion just died. She hasn't brought it up. She hasn't been mentioned within the championship contendership. She hasn't been, you know, uh even brought up as a remote main event as a threat to the title. So I, I I don't know. This seems like another one of the things that did just start in cold without any rhyme, reason, or explanation. So we just got this team now of Wrecking Ball and Raina Del Rey together against the heavy metal sisters. Who last week or the weeks previous to this were presented as having problems, and well, they've they been at each other for weeks or whatever they said, which was not brought up here seemingly at all. So, I, uh, whew, I don't even know what to say about this. So, let's just, let's just get to the match because. Neither one of those things make a great deal of sense, but you know it is what it is. Wow it does that sometimes, and so in the case of this tag team match, this will be Reyna Del Rey standing in for Max the Impaler instead of the uh, tag team of the Wasteland that Heidi Horowitz, who we now know as Wrecking Ball on Wow, uh, <coughs> you know normally tags with. And this is one of the few times I would say that Wild got the name better than the person that came up with their own name. Wrecking Ball does sound better than Heidi Horowitz. At least it's a more marketable name. So we got the Heavy Metal Sisters 2.0 as we come down because the Heavy Metal Sisters were an act that were created in GLOW some 30 years ago. But I guess coming on television, calling yourself the Psycho Sisters didn't work, so they had to change it. Which is also what I expect to happen to Candy Crush, as I've said on a number of occasions, but we'll move on. So this is kind of presented as two of the toughest teams in the Wild going against each other, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, this would probably mean more. In terms of that, if the Heavy Metal Sisters had a reputation for that, I mean, the only real thing that makes them in the Wild Universe like the tough team, uh, the chains and the leather and the uh, and the face paint. Uh, if they had the reputation for it, I mean, this that those kind of statements would make a lot of sense to me. It's like, hey, you know, they're the toughest, and you know, if they was putting people through tables and just violent overall and and not wanting to be contained or held, uh, then this would make a lot more sense. Uh, Or, again, those statements would make a lot more sense. But the match starts off, despite the fact that, again, we got Wrecking Ball and and Ray Del Rey together with with no explanation to that. And seemingly on the same page, up until the bell started, the bell rang, the bell rings, Del Rey's in the ring, and wrecking ball tags herself in like oh you know and she gets her like get out and she looks back at her like oh well hey look i'm the legal person now and they and they're talking with each other they being wrecking ball and Del Rey the heavy metal sisters then charge in and attack this is not look like a team that's having problems in house everything that is from the moment they walked out to the second they was head banging on the on the ropes to the, them decide to attack together this has not come across like a team that's having any sort of issues. They didn't they didn't even do anything subtle, like have like minor words with each other, or let me walk out in front of you just a little bit so if people can get just a, a seed of doubt. None of that took place. They seemed pretty well in sync. So I don't know what the story of the heavy metal sisters is supposed to be, or even if that story is still going. But They start out and they get the heat on on Wrecking Ball doing basically heel stuff. So, uh, assumably, the heavy metal sisters are the heels in this equation. Although Wrecking Ball and Del Rey both also have a tendency to cheat. But without them actually saying or getting the promo or doing something else or being clear about what they're doing in the ring, it doesn't come across. Now, Wrecking Ball and Del Rey, in, in this instance, are uh, kind of portrayed or presented as the tough, tough equivalents of the Heavy Metal Sisters. As, you know, Wrecking Ball's in there; she's shaking the, the punches off and stuff like that. And they're just, you know, kind of bullying each other around. It again, it's kind of given that they are the team that can stand up to them, stand them being the heavy metal sisters. Uh, again, if that was the story they're trying to tell, I just I wish it would have been, you know, a little bit more build to it, or seen the heavy metal sisters be more violent you know tables and chairs and you know just stuff like that that would help make the case for the sisters being as rough and tough as the as the commentators try to make them out to be so uh, this keeps going and the, the the match has been fine and there's really not a lot of uh uh problems Match wise, this is what I'm talking about. No, no, real botches and, you know, stuff like that. Nothing crazy going on. Uh, and at some point, all four members get back into the ring, and then and now we got the whole just you know open brawl thing. And once that happens, then Mesmera comes in, and <laughs> Mesmera looks like a, a little kid trying to. Attacking a dope. <laughs> I, I I don't mean that, but her, but her forearms and her punches are, are not that strong in this when this is happening. So that's what it when it looks you see her come up at the end of the, <laughs> you see her come up at the end of the match and she's charging that them and she's firing off these like forearm shots and she just looks like let go of my mom, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I cracked myself up with that. One. But anyway, yeah, it, that's that's what happens. Now all of this takes place after a rough bump, and you know those referees there—they they have to sell this like it's a, like it's a big thing. So you know, in order to sell the idea that this woman just knocked me out, uh, which actually in this instance wouldn't be that difficult to buy. Uh, Del Rey's beating on Fury in the corner and she brought she brings back a like a big haymaker and the elbow goes into the ref's head knocks him down while he was down Razor takes advantage of it and she picks him up by the belt and like chucks him out of the ring that's when you got the melee that's when Mesmer comes in with you know the kid punches and that's when they just this is a no contest match is over with next point of criticism David McLean is doing too much. I've said this a couple of times now. The match is thrown out and the announcement is made. And who's making the announcement? Not the ring announcer, but David McLean. It's like, <laughs> let them do their job. Right, why? He's, he's the matchmaker. He's the voice of authority. He's the ring announcer. He's the lead interviewer. He's the lead commentator. I know it's your company, David, but come on, you, you ain't got to announce the winner or the, or the double disqualification too. Uh, it's just let let some of them do some of the work. They, you know that they, they do get paid for a reason. Let them justify their salary. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> So the match is thrown out because of the wild contests and the wild nature of, of of all four competitors, and they just couldn't be controlled, and the match just lost its way. We go to another tag team match. This is a very tag team heavy episode of the show. I don't have a problem with tag teams, but you know was just kind of it was a little heavy on this one. We now have. Uh, G, Gigi Gianna and Amber Rodriguez, the former Commander Spars who turned to the dark side for no apparent reason. They are tag Team against Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara, Rara 2.0, as she is also someone who has inherited her name. Um, I wish that Rodriguez and, and Gianni at least had some interview or promo or something. They have not even spoken since they have been paired up as a team. They have yet to get in front of a camera, pick up a microphone, and even remotely say, hey, this is why we're together. This is what we want this is why we chose to be a team, or this is why I decided not to be Commander Spars anymore. None of those things have been addressed. None of them. It might have been said in some random comment by one of the, the announcer or commentators, but it, none of these things have been addressed. And it's been 30 weeks now. There is absolutely no reason that you cannot put explanations behind some of this stuff that that's going on. You know, did like I said, Gigi Gianni and Rodriguez. I preferred the original pairing of Gambino and Gianni. They seemed like that. There's another one. That's another unit or team that I looked at I was like, oh man, I'm really digging this. And I found out they both on the independence. But anyway, I started to like the team and then all of a sudden Gambino's gone. And now she's replaced with Rodriguez. Now the team isn't bad. They are, you know, they're not bad and I think they could get something but I at least want to know what the team's motivations are. And they haven't done any of this. They can't get over as a team for people to care about them or dislike them for that matter if they don't have anything that they're talking about or they don't explain anything. So anyhow, this match, you know, we got Campanelli and Ra who are the former tag team champions. The story now seems to be the slow dive, I guess, of ra into being a heel. Since when it, Since the original assumed story, I don't know if that was what they were going to do, so I'm going to say assumed, never really took place. That being Campanelli turning on rah you know, over-talking her and all that stuff like that. Uh, that seems not to be happening, or at least not yet. So... It now seems like Ra Ra is enjoying the concept of being a heel. Uh, and I forgot to say, yeah, that there was a segment that that existed before this. It, I call it the whatever it takes segment. And it and the whatever it takes segment is 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 Ra-Ra and Campanelli back in you know, like in the dressing room by the mirrors. And they're having their conversation. And, you know, that's when Campanella is like, yeah, you know, you, you do whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes. And Rob was like, you know, I to I gotta admit something to you. It was kind of fun doing what we did last week. And and uh, Campanella is like, what are you talking about? Using the mirrors on the twins or winning? And Rob was like, both. And that that's when he's like, okay, well, just remember, that's what we do, whatever it takes. So now that's the setup for this. So you know, you have to give give the show format credit and that it did set the tone for what is happening. If you're looking at this on YouTube, however, this will make no sense to you because they remove all the segments from the show. They'll upload all the matches, but they remove every segment the show has. So if you're seeing Ra-Ra cheating there, which she does, it's just going to look like she's cheating for some unknown reason. But here she's uh, starting to enjoy doing stuff behind the ref's back, I guess. So you got Gigi who goes down at some point, and while distracted, Ra-Ra goes, and she takes the coach's whistle, and the rope, I mean, the little necktie that's on it wraps it around Gigi's throat and starts to pull back. Then the ref turns, and then, you know, she lets go it was, it was Like, I didn't do anything, you know, that, that type of thing. So we have that. that is the internal storyline here and and I would say it's probably the only real storyline angle or something that has taken place in the show so far. You know at this point, you're about halfway through the show, and this is the one thing that has been ongoing and going someplace else so you you've got uh you got the tag match going on. For some reason, they they decide to put the camera on um, Dave McClan as, as he tells them about uh, AJ Mendez's muscles, and so I guess they just want to show that off. Uh, but for all attention purposes, you know, I think you you got a a heel team and a and a semi heel team that's that's going on in this match. It works just because you know they're still in the middle of telling it, so you, you got to let that play itself out. But I still stand on they need to come back, and they got to do something with Gianni and Rodriguez to at least establish the team. So, anyway, at the end, we get Campanelli in the ring. And she's, you know, cleans house, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're setting up Rodriguez, who's the person that she's in the ring with, For the big coup de grace that Campanelli and Ra Ra like do, which is their cannonball or their version of the cannonball off the top rope. Then the assisted cannonball, you know, Campanelli helps. She pulls Ra Ra down. They bring her on top of Rodriguez and she, bam, nails her in the the guts with the old sentine bomb. And one, two, three, they win. Campanelli and Ra Ra continue to win. And I guess outside of the the champions hadn't really lost Uh, this is another loss for, for Gianni and Rodriguez all the more reason that they need to speak or do something of some merit that lets people know who they are and why they're on this show because all they have been is just the whipping children to every other tag team they get in the ring with from the moment that they've been formed till now uh, at the end, they cut another promo to winners. Coach Campanelli, well, I should say Coach Campanelli cuts promo because she barely lets Raw rah speak. Uh, <clears throat> but it's a, it's basically reiterating the same thing. Saw in the vignette backstage. It's another whatever it takes promo. So we got the seeds Planet. We know that they're pushing towards this. We we'll, we will see where it goes. Match was fine. Is the only one in in the show that had some level of direction that was going forward with something. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's the best I can say for it. It it stands up until this point and stood alone in that. We go to the main event and the last match of the show, which is Makoa Leia Makoa. Makona and Penelope Pink with Lannistar. So uh, they took their time in introducing both competitors. I think we need to start with that. Because while doesn't really change things from one week to the next with very few exceptions. And so it becomes difficult for them to create a big fight feel. You know, they can't really change the the set too much. They don't have pay-per-view and they don't have a special event syndicated show or, I mean, they might do it in the future. I don't see why they don't. Uh, But uh, they don't have those things to where, you know, because of the event itself, this is a bigger deal. Having, you know, and it's a minor thing, but having your competitors come out like that with the kind of delayed response and more interaction with the crowd and able to soak up the, you know, the, the adulation and the music and the spotlight and all that stuff like that. Uh, as the you know, as they do all all four corners and the, the ring announcer announces their name, it it does give it a little bit something extra. You know, like I said, they can't replicate the big fight feel in total, but that does help. It it helps with the big fight feel, and for their championship, it should be a big fight feel. They should you know this should be the thing that. They are working to make feel important. So when people hear it's going to be a championship match on the while, they know they're going to get something good. I I still, I think they have to work on that further, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So they do the whole introduction thing. And, you know, a lot of stars coming out with with Penelope Pink, uh, I have to say, you know, again, that the pairing looks good. is 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 a very natural pairing. We'll put it. We'll put it that way. Uh, it may be the best pairing that Lana Star has had in the time that she's been in the wild, and and you know, some of that's because she's got more time with her. Because uh, even though she Team Blondage, when in the unaired season of Wild, got together and they. Visually looked good. She still kind of was like a third wheel to that, you know. It, it, she she couldn't wrestle uh, the way that they presented her as being able to wrestle. So it was, you know, just just little things like that. So anyway, now we're going to get into the match. Penelope Pink, Leah McCona for the main event of the uh, the night, this is not a long match. Let's start with that. So you're not going to get some 10, 15, 20-minute classic off of uh, the girls this night. I'm not going to say that they can't. They, I'm sure that they can, in fact. But uh, I said at the beginning, WOW is a pretty formatted show, and they don't really break format all that much, if ever. Uh, but fortunately for them, they got two people in the ring that are capable of delivering a, a good showing, Makona and Penelope Pink. Uh, the match started off with Pink taking off her jacket, and, and as the referee's talking to Lana Starr about instructions and whatnot, she throws the jacket in Makona's face and just <laughs> goes in and attacks before the, you know, before the referee stops it and breaks it up and all that stuff like or before the referee notices, I should say. Uh <clears throat> This main event was even though short, it was fine for me. Because if they take the route of building this up, this can go somewhere, and the matches can get bigger, and the matches can get broader and stronger. They can they can go from this six or seven-minute match, and then they can get to we change the stipulations. We're gonna handcuff Lana Star to a police officer so she can't interfere, or put in a shark cage, or we're gonna get a two out of three falls for the duration of the program. You know, so whatever it, it, it's going to be a falls count, in it's something that will give it that little extra oomph and make it feel special. Whatever stipulation you have to add, I mean, because basically the point of the stipulation is is to kind of help add a little something to an existing feud and build it up to where it makes it allegedly even for the babyface to you know take on the heel without fear of them being cheated. So, uh, let's get to the end of a lot of stuff for the most part stayed out of we'll say harm's way in this this match. At the end of it, Now, there was a a part where I got to say, Makona probably saved Penelope Pink's life. (laughs) She sent her into the ropes at the end and was catching her for a Samoan drop. But the way Penelope Pink came up on her shoulders, she lunged up and almost overshot uh, Makona's shoulders. And... I'm begging you, go and look at this man. (laughs) If nothing else, look at it for that moment. She lunges up and catches the and almost slides completely over uh, uh, Makona's shoulders, just off, just like one side off to the next. But Makona catches her. You can see she hooks the leg and stops her from going too far within the end takes her down probably as safely as she could. Now, I'm sure Pink her rustling intuition came into play as well because she did tuck when she when uh McCona got a hold of her. But man, that could have been nasty. That could have been nasty. <laughs> if she didn't catch her and turn her body just slightly to bring her down on her back. So she drops her not you know, she she drops her with the uh Samoa drop goes for the uh, the cover pink gets out and again I don't mind that this match is relatively short in the grand scheme of pro wrestling uh, you know championships or championship matches it provided provided that it builds to something bigger so at then anyway pink is getting herself together and the referees' checking on it but while she's doing that, of course, Makona's getting up, and she's preparing for Pink to get back into the match. She's near the ropes. Lana Star grabs the ankle, yanks it, puts you know uh, Makona down. Makona then, of course, what do you do? You turn and you face uh, Lana. I was going to say the, the manager, in the, but in this case, it's Lana Star. And she's like, what are you doing? And that's when Pink charges over there, grabs her with the roll-up, hooks the tights, sinks it in deep, sinks the roll-up in deep, and gets the win. And that that's another one of those small wrestling things that you have to appreciate when it, when it does take place. Because the way she has her rolled up and the way she has her tights, you could believe that the difference between her winning and losing was grabbing those trunks because it gave her that extra oomph and it pulled her down and was able to hook her and hook and hold her the way that she needed to be held in order to win. And that was it. Pink got got the quick win. She cheated to do it. And she survives with the championship. So this is why I'm like, if it goes further than this, if if it's a return match, if it's, okay, you did that, but it was because Lana Starr, I, I need her either banned from ringside or handcuffed or somewhere where she can't inter, intervene, then I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly okay with it if it goes somewhere beyond that. If they just drop it here, it's a missed opportunity. It's a big missed opportunity. But I did not go into the aftermath of the show. What happens after that, when – Lana and Penelope roll out to ringside and basically hold their hands up. Yay, we won! And Makona gets up in the ring. She is almost immediately clipped by Vicky Lynn McCoy, who is charging into ringside along with Miami's Sweet Heat. Uh good timing, really. I. <laughs> Uh, Either good timing or a good edit or both. Because almost as soon as she was up on her feet, it seemed like she was already getting clipped. And the Fabulous Four come dropping bows and feet and kicks, you know, on uh, Lana Makona. This now brings out what we now know as the Island Dynasty, the Tonga Twins and Tiki Chamaro. Come out for the save. And this now activates a four-person brawl on, well, I was going to say on the outside. It wasn't on the outside, but in the ring. So we got the Tonga Twins, Tiki Chamarro and Lea McCona against Vicki Lynn McCoy, Miami's Sweet Heat, and Penelope Pink. Uh, I put... Down in my notes, jump off of a new angle? Question mark, because we could be revisiting an angle or two with uh, the twins. Well, with I, sh- I should be more specific. We got two pairs of twins here, but we could be revisiting an angle with the Tonga twins and Miami Sweet Heat, as that was the finals in the night that the, the Carlson twins or, or the Heat went heel. Uh... We could be kicking off a new angle with uh Lambakoa going chasing for the championship. Or we could be revisiting them, the Fabulous Four, kind of bullying tomorrow, a couple of several weeks ago when the, when the twins, the Tonga twins first started hanging with her and more or less protecting her. So I mean there's a lot of intertwining angles. That are being presented here, and thumbs up for them. You know, maybe the first half of the show didn't have a lot of uh, steam in terms of angles and storyline, or you know, continuing plots. But this one does. You know, the second half we got that Campanelli and and Ra Ra kind of feeding into their their angle or their storyline, and here we got the the angle of the Island Dynasty, all four members against the Fabulous Forum. So, I mean, where that goes at this point, I don't know. Whether they go to a elimination match like Survivor Series for for a chance at the championships or something along those lines, I mean, it should be a big deal when they actually get to that. They, they should... They should build into this. They should get to this at some point and put some stakes on the line and some sort of uh, top tier money-drawn match. I mean, I know they don't have to draw money, but because they get most of this stuff off of ad rates. But yeah, whether that's going to be an elimination match like we like you get at Survivor Series, or I don't know, a four-person no disqualification match, or. A uh, the, the, the Survivor, not Survivor, uh, War Games type match, where they go in, you know, if they build a ring and a, a cage around the ring, and all four of them do what War Games do, just in a singular cage or you know something, like whatever it happens to be, all four of them together, you know, should be a a big match, uh, and hopefully that will lead into other things. You know, provided that they go into it. that The match itself should be a jump off. It should be a big, big jump off. Baby, and I'm just going to say now, baby faces should go over because the heels don't need to win it. They got all the championships. They got, they got the world title. They got the tag titles. They're in control. They do not need to win a, a four-person match. They need to lose it and the baby faces need to be able to get win some stipulations of, hey, we want this, I want to shot at the title, whatever the case may be. They need to get something out of the inevitable confrontation that's going to come up. And uh, that will do it for that episode. What would you grade it? What would you give that one? C+ plus. I don't think it was a bad episode by any means, but it's still taking a little bit of time to get to the meat of certain subjects. Like the the most compelling thing that took place in the entirety of this show was the main event, Makona and Pink uh, in the main event match, which I thought was a good match. I, I don't think I said that during the uh, review, but it was it was a good match. Uh, but. It, it, it stood out, and I hope that they get the chance to do it again and elevate the match. That is my hope. I am concerned that WoW will not do that, but I really would like them to come back and, and revisit this and let them kick off some sort of a feud over the championship. And the matches get bigger. The matches get stronger. You know, they get you know more. That was not complex, but more elaborate, I guess. Just enough for you know, so people can feel like, okay, this is something. They going this hard for that for that belt. It must be something behind it. I mean, you at least subconsciously feel like that. That this is worth fighting for. So that. That's it. You know, that that's what I'm, I'm aiming for or hoping for with, with what's coming up. We will see in the upcoming weeks. So, when we get to the next review, hopefully, we will have some new information as to where we're going and how this is going to, you know, unfold going forward. And with that, I think we can call this an episode. Folks, thank you for tuning in and listening to this review and uh, talking about wrestling and women's wrestling with me, be sure to go to the website and show your support. I appreciate the support of you liking the videos like you have. I appreciate the support of you looking at the videos and downloading audio and checking out some of the other stuff. And for those of you who decide to buy, uh, go to the uh, Teespring store, I appreciate that. All of it helps All of it helps keep the channel going All of it helps keep uh, New content uh, Able to be made <laughs> So uh, Thank you and that All of that to say thank you for Your uh, various Means of support And with that uh, You can go to WPNWrestling.com If you want to go further and you want to see everything Collected in one location It is the nexus for the podcast. It also houses a 24-hour day, -day seven-day-a-week stream of all the matches and extras and interviews and so on and so forth that exist on the Women's Pro Wrestling Network channel. It is all there all the time. So if you want to go in and just sit down and watch that, hey, be my guest. Uh, And with that, I think I have covered it all. So, in closing, as I do every week, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.